Welcome to Swanglinese, the only podcast talking the language of business here in the Middle East. Your hosts, Barry Lee Cummings and Oscar Andermo, give you their own insights, as well as interviewing business leaders in the region to help you on your entrepreneurial journey. Barry, Oscar, let's talk Swanglinese. Just before we get started, a quick word from one of our sponsors. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Copabble. Copabble is a technology platform that aims to help you digitize and digitalize your business. Simple to use, massively powerful, and guaranteed to bring your paper-based archaic processes into the digital age. Copabble leverages the smart device technology already in your employees' hands to help streamline processes, share information, as well as educate and train your workforce. Whether you have paper-based checklists, forms, or audits that need digitizing, are looking for a better way to communicate with your teams, need to train them on the go, or are looking to replace your existing system with one that is far more cost-effective, Cobabble is the tool for you. Check out cobabble.com for more information, to request a demo, or sign up for your free trial. Cobabble, your digitization partner. Okay, and uh, let's get on with it. Uh, firstly, thanks, uh, you know, thanks for inviting me on the on the podcast. So I think it's it's uh, it's always nice when uh, you know because every day we all kind of have our day to day you know work kind of put in. Uh, these other things like the podcast, like this, probably also put some perspective when you start uh, talking more about the business to a third person uh, and to an audience. Um, so definitely, I mean, it's it's uh, it's a nice feeling to uh, be here. Uh, thank you for the invite. Yeah, so and uh, you know, like I, I kind of got the brief uh, from from our team. You know, they told me that this is what the podcast is, and yeah. uh, we want to keep it conversational and easy. Uh, we have a lot to talk about, obviously. Like you know, the business has been running since twenty uh, fourteen. So just to go back a bit in history with the uh, laundry heap, um, my co-founder, like Dian, he's uh, uh, you know he he is uh, he's from Rocket Internet before uh, you know like the idea of laundry heap came to his mind. Uh, so he was always part of this, uh, uh, you know, team where they are, uh, you know, hustling, trying to do new things, and that's the it, uh, VC's, uh, uh, you know, mindset, and that's kind of inspired uh, him to kind of come up with this uh, idea for on-demand laundry because no one was uh, doing this at, at that time in 2014. So in August 2014, uh, he had this idea. He, you know, registered the company, uh, built the the base of it. Um, and he was looking for someone in operations to to join him because uh, right. uh, as much as uh, you know to get things started, there's a lot of uh, work to be done on the ground. Uh, and so the same time, uh, uh, you know, when I just graduated from Warwick University in the in the UK, uh, I just done my MSc uh, there, and I was looking for uh, a job as anyone would be in uh, you know in that stage. Uh, so possibly it was. Uh, it was. I never realized that this this would you know not just be a job. It would actually be joining them and co-founding a company. Uh, in the early days, we didn't know how this would turn out. Right, the first few months. So met him. You know, understood uh, the idea when I was searching for a job. Like I met, I met uh, Dan because he was looking uh, for someone. And um, uh, like the moment we kind of met, we clicked very easily with each other, and we knew that we could work together. Um, and uh, yeah, so it was it was just the beginning, uh, which was quite uh, easy for us because there was no pressure. Uh, you know, it was bootstrapped, so the idea was very simple. So we have this uh, website which is running, uh, basic marketing. Uh, you know, Google Ads, um, and there were other players in the market which uh, 
who are who are already there. So it kind of also helps build uh, you know the ecosystem up because if you, if you have more players, it's always nicer than if you're just a single player in the market. Um, just on and, that point, Maya. Just on that because th- this is interesting that there are other people in the market. What was it that yeah. made you think that you know what we we can? And I assume this is right, but correct me if I'm wrong. What made you think, yeah. you know, we can do this better? Was there was there evidence that you said, you know what, there's just something missing from this market space? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question, actually. You know, this is one of the ways we differentiated ourselves very uh, clearly from day one, because uh, everyone, uh, I think, overthought about what the service should be like uh, and complicated, uh, uh, you know, the whole booking flow. And with Laundry Heap, you know, it was very, very important for us to have a, a simple booking process for our users, uh, not to complicate it by asking how many, uh, you know, shirts are you giving, how many pants are you giving, you know, we wanted to, we wanted to kind of do the uh, the heavy lifting of, of the whole uh, laundry experience. So while a lot of the players were very complex on their booking flow, we kept it very simple. So step one, you know, what service do you like, washing iron, washing, Step two, uh, where do you where do you live? You know, so put in your address and which slot you want. Step three, put in the card details and that's it. Boom, you have your order there. Uh, whereas the other players were like really made it very complex. So uh, and ours was the only service which was offering twenty. Right, so this was our USP, and it's still the USP in many of our markets. Uh, we do this at no extra price. So so that kind of also help differentiate from, uh, you know, our uh, competition uh, back then. Um, and November 10th, I think, uh, yes, I, I'm pretty sure November 10th was our first, uh, 2014 was our first order we ever got. So that was like the beginning of everything. Uh, yeah. And uh, and from then onwards, we had, you know, like two orders a day, three orders a day, you know, and we hit like by end of December, we were doing, you know, five to 10 orders a day, right? So that's kind of, you know, where it validated the business model for us. So we we, we clearly knew that this is working without actually putting more money into the business with the margins we had. We could run the business, pay the drivers. Obviously, we were not paying ourselves, uh, but operationally, (laughs) you know, we could run it. Like, you know, we had a bit of marketing budget. We had, uh, you know, a bit of budget for uh, the drivers and, you know, we had to pay for our partner facilities. So as a traditional business, like, we could run it, uh, you know, rather than the the whole, uh, you know, startup, startup ecosystem nowadays, everyone's kind of raising all this big amount of money, you know, and, uh, uh, making it very unsustainable, like I think in, in kind of the long run. Um, was, this a, was this something that you actively thought about? Because this is a very, very important point, I think. There's a lot of people thinking about starting a business. They might get it going and then the, then the whole question of scale comes in and the natural lean as well if we need to scale we need to go and get vc investment so that we can do that but you guys didn't go you you bootstrapped it and was that a conscious decision to do that it was a very conscious uh, decision uh, i mean like you know uh, when it comes to this uh, i'm a very operational person right so uh, like with laundry we always knew that we had to you know manage the you know cost with what we we get because end of the day uh, you can't be leaking too much money and uh, also, with Dian's background in uh, being in startups, he kind of had seen the flaws of uh, you know these um, companies which raise a lot of money. Uh, so his agenda was pretty clear that we need to have something sustainable, right? And it kind of was the ethos for Laundry Heap right from the start. Um, and we kind of took it like you know day by day. We kind of uh, you know understood like the whole 
core of the business like how much will it work because we are also understanding a lot of things in the early days like how much does it cost for a driver in the day right how yeah. much does it actually cost to uh, you know to do marketing if we have to you know use the uh, the word washing in google ads right so how much does it cost and how much it varies in different parts of the city uh, where are we getting the highest number of clicks or the orders so there's a lot of dynamics and uh, you know data we are we are you know collecting in this early days uh, which which we we are obviously lot you know unaware of and and kind of the first two three months then it kind you know clarifies a lot of these things and the great part was while we were doing this we was we were getting a lot of disappointed customers from competition uh, because as was a simple flow uh, you know the booking was pretty straightforward uh, and we had a lot of high repeat customers right so this is where I think uh, the on demand laundry space because it's uh, it's a weekly thing. Um, mm. So it's not like you use it once and then you know you don't think about using it again. Uh, so it kind of shows the convenience of uh, the service. So you start using it every week. Then we start seeing. I mean, we have our customers who use from the first few months still using us today, right? So you can kind of see the paradigm shift of uh, behavior in the customer from doing their let's say own laundry or going down the street uh, to you know drop their clothes and get their ironing in the tube. You know, so it's it's such chaotic experience you know when when i did my first laundry when i moved to london it was it was, it was so chaotic but then when we realized that uh, this is what we're trying to fix right so 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 we can see these people are stuck onto the service uh, even from from day one when they started using it you're right and we're, just for clarity where it, when you started that because you're a massive global operation now but you, where, where was the first instance was that where you are now or was that the uae or where was it london oh, this so was yeah, so this was in London. Uh, right. The first, uh, so our HQ is London. We started the service uh, first in London. We built the team, you know, in London first uh, until about 2017. Um, and 2018, uh, we when we want to kind of scale into other, uh, you know, cities globally, we we kind of realized that there is there's kind of a limiting factor in the UK because London is the largest city, and then you have uh, you know a few smaller cities. Uh, we also realized that this model works uh, very well in high populated cities rather than you know a city with just a few million in population. So uh, that's when we wanted to scale up quite quickly. And uh, uh, since I come from you know Bangalore, I, I knew that there is uh, enough talent here to hire very quickly right. uh, at a great uh, cost as well. And uh, we have the ecosystem here, uh, you know, especially there are a lot of startups in, in, in India, like which are also on the similar scale. So you can get the right kind of people. Uh, this was kind of what pivoted us to, you know, move the operations center uh, to India. And then in terms of um, uh, like the, the raw talent, uh, we, we we also had this concern like if we we're going to be controlling you know operations from another country how would that work right now mm-hmm. and uh, this would be a big question mark if we just gave it to another company to do it but I keep set this up here right so I knew the core of the business uh, you know this was kind of the the wild card uh, which we said okay you know we set it up we we train the right team members uh, and you know kind of also build the culture for the team what we what we built in the UK. So all these kind of things, which uh, which were uh, the the key decision making, which helped us also probably uh, survive through the pandemic because uh, you know we managed the cost like very very well um, at that stage. So uh, to answer your question, like we started it in London first, uh, and we we scaled the operations to uh, Manchester and Birmingham and in, in the UK, 
then we did it in uh, Dublin and then we kind of moved the first international city outside Europe would be Dubai after that so we moved to right. uh dubai uh, and in a in a in a small uh, in a small scale we started but then we started seeing that it's it's a great market uh, to be in as well yeah i think that it's um you know here in the uae everything's about convenience right and and people are, yeah. are, are willing to pay um a premium to a certain extent but it still has to be good value but it is this idea you know what if which i think is genius you know your your business is genius because people here are like yeah you know what just click somebody takes it away it comes back it's clean <laughs> hang it up and yeah. i don't have to worry about that kind of thing but one one interesting thing about that i would like to ask is because in the uae there's obviously a big population of people who are maybe earning more than they would be at home and because of that they have in-house help you know they 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 hire a nanny or they they do uh, have um, a maid or something like that did that factor into because in 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 sort of our sense of the word is you have some help they would be doing the washing and the laundry and so forth so would you actually send out or how does that fit into this scenario based on you know the the, the way that our population i guess is, is sort of living in the uae <laughs> yeah i mean it's a very good question actually because uh, this was something which we also uh, you know thought about in the early days like you know we consider the washing machine as a competition so if someone asked me who's the competition i would say the washing machine because yeah. we want to eliminate the washing machine so laundry is main competition is the washing machine but when we went to dubai i think a uh, competition was just not the washing machine but it was also you know these affluent people who have help at home uh, you know who could do the washing and ironing and all of that uh, but we also re- later realized that uh, you know we just not doing washing we also do dry cleaning and and someone at home cannot do this you know you still have to fit uh, to a professional to do it uh, you know you have suits you have certain kind of shirts uh you know expensive clothes which has to be taken care of really well uh and that's where we come in right uh, also this um this kind of you know uh, we have seen the, the demographics uh, a bit you know when we compare to europe uh you know every country works a bit differently uh but in the uae the first thing we noticed is people actually uh call something called a full service right so uh if, like you know when we go to a customer they say i just want to full service so they, they really don't care if you're doing dry cleaning or you're doing washing and ironing just get it back to me clean mm. uh so you might notice this in uh, web, in our uh, in our app and our website so we call it clean and iron so don't, we don't even say dry cleaning in dubai uh so this is something we you know got onto the uh, the market and we adapted our uh, you know working flow very quickly because we want to be convenient for the customers just just get it clean and iron and get it back to me right Uh, yeah so so this was uh, this is where like i think we we knew that there is still a you know big market which needs a dry cleaning um, and you know we are there to do that along with that if you have some washing and ironing we do it so i think possibly a lot of our customer base uh, who have this they still send it uh, you know along with the dry cleaning because they can uh, you know if they need something professionally ironed uh, you know we we do that for them Right yeah now that's it's it's really interesting because uh, again it's, it's when you're looking at your business setup and you think I think it's fascinating also that initially the, the competition is the washing machine and uh, and then of course the, the the lifestyle um when when it comes to convenience I think in the UAE people are just willing to look at it and say you know what if you can take it and bring it back and it's done and it's this price I'm down with that. Just just do it because it's one of those things that people don't want to have to worry about. They know it has to be done but they don't necessarily want to to worry about it. So I think it's also well my question around this is that the how easy was it to set up the business in the UAE after having done it in in London because my my thought process also is that of all the cities in the world obviously London is a is a is a is a 
a hub and so forth, but it's expensive, right? And it's expensive, I would imagine, to set up a business there. So was there a was there a specific reason for looking at London as the the, the HQ, as it were? In was the thinking, you know, what well, if we can make it work here, then we can make it work everywhere because everywhere else we can probably get a lower cost of operation. How, how did that figure into it? And then what what was it like building the business here in the UAE from from the start starting it up? You know, the, actually getting it registered and licensed that that bit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think for London, it was more circumstantial. It was just that uh, Diane was already in London. I was there in the UK and moved to London. So <laughs> I don't think it was like a chosen city, <laughs> uh, you know, that we started in London. Uh, it's just that, um, um, you know, we were there, we did it. Uh, but if I have to compare, uh, you know, the experience with Dubai, again, it was more circumstantial. So the reason why we also started uh, in Dubai was because we had a you know cleaning partner in London uh, who decided to open uh, a cleaning uh, you know facility in Dubai. So he's like, hey guys, I'm I'm doing this uh, since it's working for you guys in London. Like, why don't you uh, you know like uh, start it in Dubai? Um, and we were like, okay, I mean, sounds good because we were comfortable with him. Uh, we were uh, you know we didn't have to like find someone new there. We were trusting uh, you know the the service he was giving us. So he was very very circumstantial. Um, and uh, when we kind of decided it was easy for us to, you know, register the company, I think uh, there are a lot of uh, uh, consultancies kind of doing this. They made the process very easy to register in a free zone. Uh, uh, you know, we had to just go do the final sign up of the paperwork, but everything else was kind of uh, done all remotely. Um, so that was kind of very, very straightforward for us. Uh, and. Uh, we didn't even start like with the team uh, like on ground in Dubai because we already had a facility. So we thought let's just start remotely and see how how the the cost is and you know how many orders. We started with a few orders a day, five orders a day, ten orders a day, um, and then we knew there's there's a market here. You know, then we yeah. knew that this you know, uh, definitely be worth for us to uh, you know increase engagement and have uh, higher people on the ground so we can uh, we can scale up very quickly. Cool. And was there, I mean, was it quite quickly that you identified which areas of, of Dubai and, and the UAE were your hotspots, as it were? Like you said, in London, you know, once you start doing your Google ads and you start seeing which keywords are working and then more specifically, which areas? And was it a, because once you've been in the UAE and Dubai for a while, you understand these are the you know, expensive areas to live. These are the more cost-effective, and so forth. Did it did it reflect in in your business how how that sort of plays out on the ground here? Uh, can you hear? I think there was a slight lag in the connection, but there yeah, was, yeah. Uh, yeah. So definitely, there was. Uh, you know, like in terms of uh, the areas we we identified, like you know, uh, we have Marina, which is you know one of the hot spots for us. We have the downtown uh, DWTC, like you know, so we have. A few areas which we know that the pockets of uh, you know uh, large orders which uh, kind of come through in, in terms of uh, we also have the Palm Island where there's like good amount of residential people uh, you know who use the service. Um, our, uh, our Dubai uh, orders are I think uh, slightly different to when we compare let's say a more uh, a city which has less floating population. Dubai definitely has more floating population, right? Mm. Uh, yeah, so yeah, a lot of people come in and go. Uh, you know, they call it their home, but they're there for a few years. Uh, you know, then they leave. Whereas in London, you know, they call it their home. They're there forever. Yeah. So, um, uh, so this is kind of the difference. So we kind of had to adapt to that. So our user base kind of uh, 
is is a bit split. So we get a lot of people, obviously residential, uh, you know, from these pockets. Uh, but also we have a large chunk of user base who come temporarily to stay in hotels and service apartments. Um, and um, we kind of also realized that because the more uh, countries you are in, uh, that that's a great thing with Laundry Heap because we are in ten countries. Um, so if someone uses a service in London, uh, you know, it comes to Dubai. It's like, hey, like Laundry Heap is Dubai. I'm already using it there. So it's like Uber. You know, you go to the yeah. US, there you you come to London, you use it there. You don't think of downloading another app. So this is what we're trying to do for the laundry uh, and dry cleaning uh, on-demand service as well. Yeah, which is awesome. I think it's a great, great model because like you say, people don't have to think then. Um, but you don't mention something there that I wanted to touch upon, which was the difference yeah. between the B2B and the B2C model in, in terms of where how the, how the business splits on that and what what is the benefit from a B2B model. Is it that you, from a service department or hotel, you would be the subcontractor of their in-house laundry or is it that people are, are directly on the app and just saying, oh, but just come to, you know, Grosvenor House or wherever they happen to be staying and, and you pick up from the hotel room. Can you explain a bit about that side of the business from the B2B? Yeah. yeah, I mean, this is very interesting. Like, there's quite a few layers in the B2B side uh, of our business, right? So one is, uh, as you said, uh, you know, direct partnership with the hotel. So uh, we have, like, you know, hundreds of hotels who partner with us who don't have in-house laundry. So they just say, Listen, like I don't have uh, anyone uh, doing laundry, but I've kind of outsourced to this cleaning partner down the road, but we're not very happy with that, right? So we want someone professional to come and handle this. So c- considering, you know, we we're very long, is very uh, as a tech company, like we come in, we we put uh, merchandises, for example, on the bags, QR uh, stickers, if they want to book a laundry. So. Uh, we make sure that it's very easy for the guests to uh, to make a booking, drop their uh, clothes of laundry, uh, clothes of laundry, and in the reception, someone comes collect. Uh, Twenty four hours later, it's delivered back to the room itself, right? So, as convenient as that, uh, so so the whole experience for the hotel is great because uh, we just come in and give great service uh, to to the hotels and the hotels don't even want anything out of this right they just say like we want our guests to be happy they just we want them to have the convenience uh you know of this so just give them discount uh you know if they if they were coming as a first time user just give them a discount uh let them place the order get them they get it back so if we partner with one hotel that's great for us because we just get this whole building block uh you know who would uh you know, we had users coming in and going out and booking with us. So that's kind of one one side of the service. We also have um, other like direct partnerships as well. Uh, for example, in uh, uh, you know, we have Saunder in New York City, where uh, I don't, I'm not sure if you've heard of Saunder. They're like the expensive uh, Airbnbs. So, so they take building blocks and they make nice, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, apartments to to rent for a little longer. Let's like two weeks, three weeks, one month. Yeah, um, yeah got it. Mm-hmm. so so we've done partnership and, and we call it laundry heap light because uh, it's more like a self-service uh, uh, system so you you have a kiosk which is branded uh, you just come you know uh, do a kiosk and tag your own bag drop it in the kiosk uh, driver comes every day in the evening picks up all the dirties he, he delivers back in the kiosk all the clean from yesterday and then the ones who have left it from previous day they just come and pick up there so it's very self-service um and uh, this one was very interesting for us because we know that there's a good use case for uh, uh laundry heap light uh, where 
you can just put these uh, kiosks in multiple yeah. buildings and have it as a self-service uh, station for for laundry and vacuuming. Cool. And is that something that is being rolled out? Do you do that in other in other countries, or and that was the proof the, uh, proof of concept, and now you're replicating it, or is it just very very specific scenarios where that fits? No, I think this is uh, this is this can be rolled out anywhere. This is the whole idea of it. So we started it. Uh, uh, you know, in, in the in the US, um, and we've kind of seen a good case. We already have uh, you know customers lined up for this now, so we're very excited on this uh, this side of the business where we're going to be uh, installing kiosks. We're going to be doing it more in London as well, uh, and in Dubai specifically with the hotel uh, partnerships. Uh, you know, kind of because it also gives the visibility for us if there's a kiosk uh, in, in in the ground floor in the reception, so people know about the service. Um, so this is like the second part of the B2B side. Apart from that, of course, we have, you know, uh, uh, direct partnership with hotels without, let's say, uh, too many years, like they just promote it if they put on their, uh, you know, reception counter that this is a service we have, you know, you can use. Or some of them informally do it because they see so many of their guests booking laundry. Uh, we also had hotels write to us and say, hey, like we've already noticed our guests are using this. So maybe you should do a formal uh, <laughs> you know, a partnership. You know, partnership, so is, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, that's great so, marketing yeah. from your side of things when customers are informing your other potential customers and say, hey, you should, yeah. be, you should be in partnership with these guys. That's awesome. Yeah. That's cool. Definitely, yeah. Um, yeah. Just on, you mentioned, obviously, we're coming out, hopefully, from the whole COVID situation, but something that I noticed in, in the research is that you had ma- massive, as in, you know, huge, huge growth in 2021 when there was a lot of businesses that were suffering and, and going out of business because of, of the, the stipulations and everything. Can you tell us a bit about, because nobody planned for COVID, of course, and, and every business person is like, we suffered, I suffered with my businesses, and but there are businesses out there, and yours is obviously one of them that had, you know, three-digit, high three-digit growth through 2021. Um how did you do it in terms of because this is also something where with COVID the whole transacting of me giving something of mine to you and coming yeah. back and how did you do it? Yeah, I mean, so it's a, it's a good question. We get asked this quite a lot, you know, you know, with a uh, lot of our, uh, uh, you know, the investors to the existing investors, the new investors. Uh, so it's it's something which, you know, we, we, we really like answering because I think we are quite proud of the way we've handled the whole uh Two years um, with laundry heap and uh, everyone suffered for sure. Like in the early days, there was a lot of uncertainty. Uh, so the moment it hit, it hit us hard as well. The first few months, almost six months, um, and you know we didn't know like when this would kind of normalize. Uh, yeah. But on the other hand, what we kind of also started realizing is uh, like considering people. So so I think the difficult part was people start, started stop going out. So mm. we. Uh, we had people using, you know, the, the services less for their ironing, for example, or dry cleaning. They would, you know, we would get more washing orders from our existing user base. But then there was also this uncertainty in the early days, like, you know, am I going to be able to keep my job or, you know, with uh, with a lot of our customers. So they were probably holding back on spending on services. Uh, but a lot of the countries did well, I think, especially uh, the, the, the Middle East and UAE specifically in Dubai. I think they handled the COVID situation really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they they had obviously lockdowns in the early days, but they kind of uh, pushed to open it up, uh, you know, very quickly and then had tourists coming in. So uh, Dubai actually at that time, we realized that it was one of the places where tourists are actually traveling uh, in 2021 when, you know, things normalized, but a lot of countries are still suffering. 
Dubai was only was the only place where they were let, letting tourists in, right? Uh, so we saw significant uh, demand in, uh, in in Dubai at that stage, um, uh, and also this kind of helped. Uh, you know, the on-demand services were uh, uh, were becoming more. Uh, uh, you know, like they were growing stronger because people were not going to restaurants, so they were ordering more uh, food uh, home. And uh, a lot of people who did not have a washing machine at home, you know, these are cities like New York where a lot of people don't keep washing machines at home. So we saw a significant surge in people ordering our service because they still wanted clean clothes, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> uh, to be wearing at home. So uh, there are kind of different factors for different cities, but I think specific to the UAE where we. Uh, uh, saw that high tourism, uh, you know, uh, people uh, came into the country that kind of helped to uh, grow our market very quickly. And considering there was a lot of uh, tourism from the UK, uh, where we already have an existing user base, a lot of our users who were using the service there, they, they started using us in Dubai. So uh, this also kind of helped to increase our order count and volume in Dubai specifically. So overall, there was a lot going on in forward. If you, you know, if I have to kind of put the situation, uh, you know, in summary, there was more on-demand grocery uh, apps coming up because people were you know, hesitant to go out. Uh, all these kind of was there. So that buzz also helped, uh, you know, companies like us to, uh, you know, to be more in the, uh, the uh, like, you know, to come more uh, into the behavior of the customer because a lot of customers who never would have thought of doing on-demand laundry, we're starting to do it because they probably started ordering more food online or grocery online. Uh, and they were thinking, okay, I can do my laundry online as well. So uh, yeah. uh, that catapulted, uh, you know, those two years and, and helped us use a piece. And I think the last point is we also expanded rapidly in the COVID uh, period. So uh, this is when we opened, uh, you know, uh, the US, we opened uh, cities in the US, we opened in Singapore. Um, you know, Singapore was like a very interesting market for us because we we opened a service where there was no free turnaround. I mean, twenty four hour turnaround. Everyone charged like very high prices for twenty four a twenty four hour turnaround. But you know, if if for laundry and dry cleaning, you're not doing anything crazy. Uh, you know, you're just still going to wash the clothes. You just have to do it a, much, a bit on a faster rate. So we came and disrupted the market, and we 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 saw that uh, people just like started ordering with us, and we couldn't handle the volume at that stage because. And we had so much of demand um, and still is like, you know, still Singapore is one of those cities where we have so much of demand, but we, 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 we kind of limiting ourselves because we want to also not, you know, uh, make the quality back. So we, we yeah. have scaling as we can um, take on more, more, more volume. So, yeah, these are kind of the, the bits from different parts of the globe, uh, which kind of helped us to, uh, you know, keep the costs uh, good and also grow and you know in some cities we had good margins uh, uh, at the same time yeah was it a conscious um, decision to expand during that time or was it that you'd already planned this these times and this is what we were going to do and the fact that COVID hit was just well <laughs> we're still going to do it because or was it that oh well and now that actually it's hit and it's obviously impacting the entire global economy was there a was there a cost benefit to doing it at that time or what was sort of the thoughts behind that yeah, I mean, uh, it's a good question, actually. Like in the early part of COVID, we, uh, you know, we did have these plans of doing expansion, but I think this the COVID accelerated because we definitely took a hit on the orders the first three to four months, right? Like everyone did. We, you know, and we were all, uh, you know, we had a lot of time on our hands, right? So this was the exact great time for us to do research on new markets, uh, understand, uh, you know, how these other cities would work. 
uh, start talking to cleaning partners and we're all doing online right like we're just getting this information uh, and uh, understanding how this would work um uh, but i would say that because of covid it definitely accelerated uh, our growth uh, into other cities because we we said okay uh, we have time now so let's test uh, with a few other cities for example in uh, the middle east we uh, we started in qatar the, the second uh, you know country after the uae uh, we saw that uh, you know we had good uh, you know uh, turnaround volume there like we had good repeat customers then we opened in bahrain we opened in kuwait like at the same time uh, so it kind of you know added the volume for us uh, and i had the the work for us in singapore at the same time and, and the us at the same time so by the by we were like 6 months 8 months we were back to our usual volume before pre covid and and, and uh, because things started improving in terms of travel it actually helped catapult the volume much faster than uh, we would have if we never expanded to these cities right That's amazing. It's incredible. Like I said, when I was looking at you know what you guys have done during this period of time as well, it's absolutely incredible. And I think it's such a, it's a great uh, example for for people to to reference in terms of how a as a um, an online, I guess, to a certain extent, business. Obviously, there's the offline delivery of it, but leveraging the technology um, to, to 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 build a business around. And that, this leads into the next question, which was something that. it was was put forward to me about this idea that you can perhaps shed some light on based on your business which is the demand for tech services in the UAE you mentioned that in covid the the whole online became more normal we were doing everything on an app because that's all we could do um now that we're coming out of it what, what is in your opinion the demand for tech services here in the UAE uh, i think it's uh, you know i wouldn't say we might see a lot of disruption but there is a lot of uh, you know user base who are adapted to these kind of services uh, so there's going to be definitely organic growth uh, in, in these services but uh, we also we also looking at the uae specifically trying to you know have more tech startups more uh, companies coming in and register so to build this kind of ecosystem and people who are in this field are, are also our kind of users right someone who can understand like, the convenience of it uh, uh and i've seen it personally myself like when we registered uh, in dubai like uh, we were in dwtc we still in dwtc our, our offices then you know we work uh, and early days we would see uh, you know smaller startups coming and you know you know start their business and then i went back like uh, every time i go back i see more companies there and more flows to the now and more startups there so uh it's very clear the uae is a good hotspot for tech companies to register and uh, you know uh, put the service there we also have a strong uh, uh, you know country which is saudi also opened up now uh, neighboring and uh, all these tech startups from the from dubai and uae want to go and expand to saudi uh, as well so i think this kind of uh, ecosystem in the middle east uh, yeah, you know dubai is kind of uh, leading i would say at the moment uh and i would like you know in terms of services i think it should only get better and uh, more services uh, should come into to make this movement uh, for the users there yeah yeah agreed um actually is there are you guys looking at uh, web3 and crypto in terms of accepting payments and and what not have, have you had that uh, that conversation in, internally or is that a little bit further down the line uh i mean we you know we did have uh, you know this kind of conversation of course like we are looking at world trends uh 
but we kind of felt it's a bit volatile and distraction for us rather than focusing on core service, which is to provide great quick turnaround times and great quality service. I think this is where we are looking at. And, uh, we also are very focused on the, the tech side of it in terms of how we can improve the user experience, how we can have high visibility uh, of users. So, we, you know, the main thing we have to understand in laundry uh, uh, and dry cleaning compared to any other delivery services, uh, you know, if you consider food delivery, you're just getting a delivery of, uh, you know, food which is not belonging to you until it comes to you, right? But with laundry and dry cleaning, it's, it's your asset. You're giving it to someone to clean it and then you're going to get it back. So we are handling uh, someone else's property. Uh, so that means we need to kind of give this visibility and, you know, we need to kind of make them feel very comfortable. So these are the steps which we are taking in terms of our development as well. Like how much visibility can we give them? Okay, your clothes are now with the driver, your clothes are now getting processed in the facility. And these are pictures of states which we have got, like there's some damages here, you know. All these things are kind of making the customer more, you know, uh, reliant on, on on someone like us. So I think this is where our focus is, uh, you know, on building the tech and building kind of the experience. Um, in terms of like, uh, we, we normally don't get swayed with uh, a lot of these uh, trends which come in and go. Uh, but I'm sure we'll keep an eye and if, if something, uh, you know, is, is going in the right direction, if it makes sense for laundry, then we would definitely, uh, you know, adapt to that. Sure. Yeah. And I think that that, that actually it rings very true when it comes to one of the other, I guess, air quotes trends, which is electric vehicles and so forth, because you guys yeah. launched the electric, you, you use electric bikes, right? Into Or electric vehicles. Maybe you can tell us a bit more because this is, it's yeah. on trend and there's obviously a lot of focus around the, the whole EV side of things. Um, what was it that made you drive down that, that road and drive, pun intended, down that road <laughs> with electric um, for, for, for Laundry Heap? Yeah, I mean, this is like, you know, something we're very excited uh, for. You know, if you go back to the conversation we had earlier today with uh, rains in Dubai, you know, with climate change and all of this, there is uh, a lot of responsibility as a business, uh, you know, for us because we are cleaning tons of clothes globally. Yeah. So it's not specific to one country. Um, and uh, the EV bikes, which we, uh, you know, procured firstly in London uh, initially, uh, was kind of a test, right? So we wanted to see uh, how would it work. So the whole idea is with with adapting to something uh, electric is also not having more costs because in the end we're a business as well, right? So we need to sustainably sustainably grow, have uh, you know costs actually even come down if you're going to adapt to something new rather than yeah. increase costs. Uh, and the exciting part was with the bikes uh, in the UK specifically and in London, uh, we realized that. Uh, the costs work very well because we don't pay congestion charge for these. We don't pay, uh, you know, any of the U.S. charges. Uh, we also can use the bike lanes in, in London uh, and, you know, control the traffic. Uh, still, there's no regulation on it yet, but you can park the bike anywhere on the street. You know, you can park it on the pavement and then go to do your delivery. So the metrics and economics of the bike are brilliant. Uh, this is why we are also expanding our fleet with the bikes, uh, you know, very rapidly. And uh, you know, specific to the UAE, we uh, uh, we uh, we also have like a pipeline of uh, how we can uh, make a bigger impact in terms of uh, logistics uh, of uh, kind of reducing our fleet with uh, uh, you know uh, vans run by yeah, fossil fuels to more uh, electric, and then uh, how we can use the bikes. So we actually introduced the bike in Dubai, um, you know, just to kind of test and see. 
Uh, of course, there is a big, big difference in uh, the way it works in Dubai and London. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, know, uh, you, you can't expect the bike to be going on shakes. I don't uh, <laughs> probably yeah. get run over in a few minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah, very true. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that was kind of uh, you know something we knew, but we also know that uh, the bikes could be used in um, uh, gated communities. Uh, also in um, uh, you know smaller uh, areas like in business parks too like uh, uh, for example in EWTC where we, we have an office like we have we have they've given us permission to use the bike so um, so these are places which we are kind of using for promotional activity and also kind of doing the last mile logistics let's say in, in, yeah. in the villa community um, uh, so so this is the first bike introduced but for us as uh, you know in terms of the EV sector uh, we are we are very very keen on uh, converting to all electric uh, b0 fossil fuel and we're kind of putting the pipeline and plan ahead uh, for most of our service cities uh, asap yeah no interesting is i mean it, like i say it's it's happening and and we have to to look at ways of doing that and uh, it's it's fascinating to hear how businesses you know super successful businesses like yourselves are looking to adapt them because you make a very good point the the key word there is business and so it, yeah. it can't you can't suddenly increase your costs exponentially to take on something that yes we're now sustainable and and green and so forth. So yeah, but we're running our business into the ground because it's costing us too much to do that. And finding that balance, I think, is really really important. And I really liked how you highlighted the 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 day to day logistical benefits of being in a city like London and having the the electric vehicle, so that you you get all of those benefits. I think it's. It's really cool how you have to look at your business like that to, yeah. to then see the benefits of doing that. But it's it's something that I've been intrigued about, the electric vehicles and, and just the the infrastructure to support the use of those, which needs to be in place. Because, you know, online you see all these, especially in the States, well, how, how do I travel from A to B when there's only three charging points and I can't do it? Yeah. And then people are actively getting out there and saying, look, this is how you do it. And, and they're, they're driving across the country and plugging in yeah. and, and, and even at this stage saying, it's feasible. Yes, there are some things that you have to take into consideration, but it, it's feasible. And I guess there's that transition into that. So it's, it's also really cool to hear that Laundry Heap is looking towards that um, as a as a goal in, in the near future for this um, the sustainable version. And again, use that word carefully because a lot of people <laughs> jump on it as a you know, a buzzword, and this is what we're doing. But I think that, that this this transition is really, really, really interesting. On that note, I think that. Um, I'm really fascinated with what Laundry Heap is and how you've done it. But just to finish on, I'd like to just talk a bit about you, Maya, in terms of yeah. just before we go, and there's a couple of questions, but just to to wind back the clock a bit, obviously Laundry Heap is what you're involved with now and, and, and how you're doing, but how what was the journey to there? You finished your MSc in Warwick and then went into this. What was, was that, did you do sort of a BSc and then Masters and then straight into this or was there anything beforehand? No, so I was uh, so I, I came to the UK to do my MSc uh, in Warwick. So before that, I was uh, you know born raised in Bangalore in India. Um, so the moment I finished, I did my bachelor's in business uh, here, and the moment I graduated, uh, I worked in uh, family business, which is into manufacturing, completely different domain. Uh, right. But some of the operational bits, uh, you know, I kind of picked up, uh, you know, from here and kind of how to run a business and how to. Uh, you know, around the company, how things should work operationally, how systems should be set up. So that's where I get, uh, you know, core of my operational, uh, I would say, skills. Uh, and then I came to Warwick to kind of enhance this um, uh, skills, right? And for me, it was very clear that I can't go into something as manufacturing because 
you know how we've scaled laundry heap in, in the last uh, eight years we've done it so quickly but if i was in manufacturing it would take so much capital uh it takes uh, tons of new machines and uh, so it was very clear the startup uh you know ecosystem and environment excited me so the, the moment you know i got this opportunity with the make I, I i jumped on it and then we had to build the business together like in, in you know it was very tough early days obviously like any startup i'm sure everyone has their own uh, journey uh you know you don't you don't uh, you don't have weekends uh you know you don't have uh, you know any time you don't get paid uh, for a while <laughs> sometimes <laughs> You're staying in a small apartment, uh, you know, eating uh, Tesco meal deals all day. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's uh, it's definitely yeah, like the uh, you know the the tough journey, the early days. Uh, so this is kind of you know where my background is and uh, why it kind of uh, you know tilted towards a startup, and this is where I was kind of uh, keen on moving. And was there any point where you were saying to yourself, you know, what I I want to. I want to go and work for for anybody to to gain yeah. that, or was it always very clear for you? You know what? I I, I worked in the family business, and, and I don't want to work for somebody. I want to do my thing. Yeah, no, I mean this is like you know some people ask me like, so where do you get your certain skills from, right? And uh, and to be honest, like we've learned it on the go, like uh, yeah. literally on the go. You know how how to you know set up certain Excel sheets. You know how to. <laughs> I think which is the best application to use, you know, okay, we'll try it. And there's a lot of hits and misses. <laughs> yeah. So you, you might think it's working. And then you look back up, you know, a few years back, like, why the hell did I, I choose uh, to do this, you know? So, <laughs> uh, but I think these are things which are also exciting and the freedom, uh, which probably uh, I wouldn't uh, have, if, you know, worked in a very structured company. Uh, but as we kind of scale, we also realize there's a lot of structure which has to come in place. You know, we are hiring 50 people globally now, right? Uh, if someone told us in 2014, we'd be in 10 countries and we'd have 150 teams, like we wouldn't believe this because, you know, probably we never had the skills or, uh, you know, the, the capacity then to, you know, do it. But then you, when you, when you start doing it, you start growing, you just adapt. I think you just kind of, uh, take it day by day and then you make, you know, you make yourself uncomfortable, but you're uncomfortable, you're also learning, uh, each day. So, um, you know, this is kind of what I believe. So the moment you feel very comfortable, that means you're not learning. So you need right. to be uncomfortable every day uh, yeah. to be uh, learning and kind of uh, improving yourself. I think that's really, really good advice, actually. And and it also backs up the whole sentiment that it's not for everybody because you do have to be uncomfortable and you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable <laughs> if you want to do this. Because like you said, there's days, especially in the beginning, where you're like... I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know how we're going to you know, how we're going to make payroll. How we're going to do this? How do we do it? all of these things that come with running a business? And like I say, you got to be comfortable with um, risk to a certain extent, but mitigated risk wherever you can. But you definitely have to be uncomfortable. And I fully, fully agree with the if you're if you're not learning, then then you're, you you you're not moving forwards. And if you're learning every day, which you do when you're doing your own thing, because you think, oh yeah. yeah. Never knew, which is why I really enjoy talking to people like yourself. It's, it's really fascinating to hear that side of things. Just before we go, there's one one question that I always like is that you obviously have that mindset for being an entrepreneur, for being in the startup space and doing it. But at some point, maybe even now, you wouldn't consider, um, you know, Laundry Heap is not a startup, it's an established business. And so is there a, a point where you're thinking, hmm, what's... I enjoy that bit, the 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 beginning and the growing and so forth. Is that actually do do you think that you might have that feeling in the back of your head, or is you know what laundry heap has got more than enough 
opportunity that, that would effectively also you know scratch that itch as it were yeah no i mean like you know this is always something which everyone thinks about right like uh you know where we are like what's it going to be uh the next few years um and uh it's normal it's just human you know human thought process um and you know if, if we have to kind of think back to where when we started like you know eight years on the line we didn't know where it would be uh and today like i don't know what's going to be the next three years but for sure like uh the laundry like for, for us at laundry heap uh we have at least for the next three to four years a good pipeline uh, in place. Uh, I think this is very exciting times uh, coming ahead. I would say um, because for us the goal is not to just stop you. We want to be uh, uh, like we do consider ourselves, uh, you know, the, the biggest on demand in terms of being in most countries. Uh, but in terms of scale, like we really have um, uh, a lot of um, uh, you know targets for ourselves to grow, and we know that we can uh, reach that. There's a lot of product improvements which we know we uh, we can do. Uh, so we're kind of waiting for that uh, the right time, um, and we're also going to be uh, you know doing more fundraising uh, very soon. Uh, so that will also help uh, uh, for us to scale uh, you know the yeah. business further. So short term, yeah, definitely. I think three to four years time, um, we are kind of already uh, you know know where the direction for laundry heap is going to be uh, and where we want to be. So our Growth would, you know, be, um, uh, you know, multiple X's, uh, you know, from from where we are. So there's going to be a lot of work. There's going to be a lot of excitement and building the team. You know, as you said, it's not a startup anymore because, uh, you know, it's uh, eight years. We just completed eight years in August. So uh, since the time we registered, so that's um, already like a company which is a sustainable one, which is kind of running, uh, you know, with uh, systems and. Uh, uh, we, we don't uh, come onto the startup category, but we still run like a startup because tomorrow I'm going to be like, hey guys, we need to start this new country and this is the new project. And the same buzz and excitement comes up, right? Which is yeah. not probably there in, in a large uh, company. So this is what I think is, uh, you know, very important uh, in terms of the work culture. We, we really need to keep a good uh, uh, excitement level in the company while we still have you know systems in place so things don't like go haywire and uh, <laughs> you know in the startup which we would normally yeah 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 no no it is it's it's it's, it's yeah. an interesting I, I really appreciate the answer because I, I think that like you said there's going to be lots of things happening within uh, laundry heap that will give that similar vibe anyway when you get to a launch into new countries you're getting to advance the product you're getting to look at what's happening in the world and and, and maybe identify trends we're like oh yeah we could we could really get on that actually yeah. and that would really benefit our business but also our customers at the end of the day um so i think yeah very exciting times and this is my last question definitely um in terms of we, we've talked a lot about laundry heap and, and 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 what it does and how it does the one thing i like to end on with a lot of my guests is you as an individual and as an entrepreneur, as a co-founder of a super successful business, what we always like to ask is about resources. And is there anything that you as Maya would recommend or you refer to now, even as a, you know, an eight-year-old business that you would recommend people go and check out in, in terms of the idea of building their business? And it can be tools, resources, online, books, mentors, anything that you'd recommend. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, like, you know, obviously everyone kind of has uh, their own way of learning things, but uh, I'm not a very book person, I would say. Uh, I I take it, uh, I, I take a lot from uh, other entrepreneurs, like how they're doing. I follow a lot of trends. Uh, I follow a lot of interviews. 
um, as well. Like I kind of see uh, people how the market is running. For example, let's say now uh, there's a buzz in uh, on-demand grocery businesses, right? So I'm just very curious how uh, they are making work. So I do a lot of reading on that uh, specifically because it's very limited to our operations. Uh, and uh, apart from that, like we, I think it's really really important to build a good network. Uh, around uh, uh, you know your own startup to your own ex-colleagues what they're doing and where they're going uh, uh, so this is something which I uh, believe in so we have a lot of people who come and go in the company but it's really important to keep the relationship because you'll you learn a lot from uh, you know, people who have worked with you but then they go to some other company and say hey these guys are doing this like I think it might be also related to you because they know how a lot of people work and then you know you kind of say yeah why not actually this is something which we could adapt to mm-hmm. um, so i think building a network following uh, i think linkedin is a great place to be in uh, you know just to understand the trends understand what uh, people are doing uh, uh, following the right people i think is really really important uh, there's also a lot of noise in social media of, of course like anywhere else <laughs> uh, uh, and, you know, like who's doing what. Uh, so I think this is kind of where I would say, uh, you know, where I follow trends. Uh, but otherwise, I think we take it more uh, day by day. Uh, we, we try to uh, learn a lot from people who come in from other organizations, more organized organizations. Like we hire people from other companies like Amazon to, uh, you know, larger uh, companies which were potentially start up and they become very organized companies. So, these are people who come and say, hey, I think we were doing this, I think, you know, and, and you're very open to adapting, you know, you're not saying, okay, but this is how it works in laundry, you only have to do this, right? So, uh, so these are things which uh, we believe in, so always have, uh, you know, uh, like an open uh, mind to accepting uh, others' ideas, even if it sounds stupid, uh, it's always important to, to do it and kind of uh, have a dis- different percep- uh, perception on it. Yeah, I think that's a really valuable point that you have to be open-minded enough to accept input from from other areas. And I think that it only makes sense, actually, to be able to accept it from people that have done it in different companies, right, and and learn from those people. So I think that's really, really useful advice. And I also 100% agree with the LinkedIn. Your network is your net worth, right? That's the saying. And so if you, you, you're out there and you're, you're on that platform, you can connect with people, you can build your network. And, and, and I think it's also very important that you maintain the relationships with those people that come in and out of the business and your life. Because you never know. You never know where that person ends up. And they're like, yeah, you know what? Here's yeah. a huge opportunity for you. And you're like, great. <laughs> that sounds yeah. great. We'll, we'll definitely follow that up. So fantastic, um, fantastic advice there, Maya. And uh, it just remains for me to say thank you. Thank you very much for your time today. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah, thanks so much as well. Uh, like, you know, it's been, it's been great chatting with you. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great conversation. So I, I enjoyed my time. So hopefully... Uh, we speak soon again. Uh, maybe we come back uh, again for another round of podcast specific. Uh, to any other questions or any others? Uh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, absolutely. We'd, we'd love to do that. And uh, thank you very much, everybody, for listening in on this episode. As always, if there's anyone that you'd like us to have a conversation with, just drop us an email at wishlist at swanglinese.rocks and we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Swanglinese with your hosts, Barry Lee Cummings and Oscar Endermo. We'll catch you next time.